touch us uh, fresh and anew. Touch us like you've never touched us before, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray, God, that you would just bless us, Lord, here today. Or that your word just uh, touch our hearts. Help us to draw a circle around our individual selves, God. And hear uh, a, a voice from you, Father. Hear your voice, Father, this morning. Lord, that you would transform our lives. Uh, renew us, uh, Lord, by having a renewed mind, Father. Come inside and redecorate us from the inside out. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing through our life. Uh, Lord, once again, none of us in this room deserve any good thing from you. We're all sinners saved by a gracious Savior. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you, as we repent and turn away from our sin, Lord, and chase you, Lord, that you absolutely save us for all time. Father, I praise you, Jesus, for sealing me, sealing those that are here that are your believers, Lord, they are sealed to the day of redemption. I thank you, Lord, that we have a home that's not prepared by human hands, but by the hands of a Savior, Lord, who loves us with an everlasting love. Lord, we give you praise and glory this morning. We pray uh, for Brother Lenny. We pray uh, uh, that you continue to work in his life. And, Lord, that he would use this as an opportunity, uh, Lord, to bring glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Be with all of us, Lord, today. Help us to hear your word this morning. We give you praise and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Very good. Well, it's good to see everybody today. This is a joyous time. It's the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ, right? Amen, right? Let's praise the Lord this morning. We'll do that. Listen, today we finally come to the conclusion, listen, of the book of Revelation. <laughs> Don't say hallelujah too hard. <laughs> but it just seemed like whatever I thought maybe Jesus would come back before we got finished and experience it for real, right? So, But here's the thing. You're going to experience it for real. Everything that you've learned over the past year and four months, listen, you're going to experience for real. You know, if you've been following, you know we must have expectations as to what will happen when Jesus returns. Amen? That's a de- definitely a common thing. And Brother Danny so graciously has listed it on our, our website. You can look at all the videos, and, or, and you can look at all of it from the very first one in January 2022. All the way through to after today to today. So you have the whole preaching of the book of Revelation. It's not, you know, of course, I haven't covered every single thing that you could cover in there. We've been there until Jesus does come, you know. So there is so much in there. But listen, we took our time. We still didn't do it justice to cover all the messages. Why? Because, listen, the God that we serve is inexhaustible, right? We cannot ever know everything and everything about him unless he just wants to reveal it to us, right? And in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9, listen to this. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. <laughs> while he was near. Right? Some of you heard last week my brother told me, he said, Heaven is this close, brother. My brother said, Heaven is this close. He says, Listen, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. You hear that? Jesus always will have compassion on us when we turn from wicked ways, turn from our sinful ways and turn to him. He will always have compassion on him. And we will have compassion on you as well, just so that you know that. Sometimes Christians don't have a lot of compassion, but we need to have some serious compassion. Amen? 
Sometimes, sometimes we just need to have compassion, right? And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Don't you love that word? He will abundantly pardon. Listen, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and, and nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have all taken an amazing look into the future, listen, of our world through this past year and four months, right? All the way into the eternal state of all mankind. Think about that. All we have left is John's divine conclusion here as we finish up chapter 22. And listen to this. Now verses 6 through 12, which we're going to read today, describe the responses of every single believer of all time. Listen, in John's revelation. Verses 12 through 21, they actually target the unbelievers with a warning. For them to change now. Like, change now. Turn your life over to Jesus. Let Jesus be your Savior. Let Jesus be your Lord. Let Jesus be your God. Let Jesus walk with you and talk with you. Let Jesus transform your life by the renewing of your mind from inside Romans 12. Let Jesus change everything that you are. Surrender your life for His life. We want to hold on to our life when Jesus wants us to surrender our life for his life and his life alone. If Jesus doesn't have all of you, he doesn't have any of you. Amen. That's the truth. Let me hear you. It doesn't mean we don't mess up. It doesn't mean we don't falter or fail. We're in the flesh in this world. But Jesus needs to have all of you. And that's something that we do every single day until the end of time, until the end of our last breath, or until Jesus returns. So think about this. Think, think about these things. In verses 12, 21 actually target unbelievers with a warning to change. While the opportunity is at your very hand, listen, change. The opportunity is today. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today is at hand. It's in your hearing. It's right here for you to hear and to grasp hope. He calls you to himself. He calls you to an old rugged cross. Amen. He calls you to him. He loves you that much that he would die for you on a bloody tree. Amen. He would do that. He would pour his whole life out for you. Do not walk away from this service or any other service without Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. And they all go together like peanut butter and jelly. Amen. Savior and Lord, man. If you're going to be your Savior, it needs to be your Lord. Has to be. Has to be. Right? Now, in this conclusion, everything is moving at a high speed of succession here. We're seeing everything's moving very fast. These statements move quickly from thing to thing. Verses 6 through 12 outline the responses of the believers. Why? Because the imminent return of our Savior and Lord is upon each and every one of us today. He could come at any moment. He could come right now. <laughs> or he could come right now, Lord. <laughs> right? He could come. He's going to come. When it's time to come, he's going to be here. I mean, make no mistake about it. He's going to be here. This imminent return, uh, return calls for four responses from us. There are four responses, and I want you to write them down in your notes today. The first one is immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. We need to obey God. Listen, Charles Stanley says something I love. I've adopted it in my own. Obey God and leave what? 
all the consequences to him. Our job is to obey the Lord. I think you should see, think about this with students. With students, they should tell them, man, you, you know, obey God. But listen, you have one thing in life as you're growing up with your parents. Just obey your parents. Just do what your parents tell you. That's, that's your responsibility you have. Obey the Lord and obey it. And if you're obeying the Lord, you're going to obey mom and dad, right? You're going to obey them. Young people really have a, if they have a good family, a good parental uh, support system, they really haven't made, right? Until they get off into this life and all these things, and they grow up to be adults, that's when it really gets very challenging, amen? And it never stops being challenging for any and every one of us, every day of our life. Immediate obedience, obedience is better than sacrifice. Every time. Revelation chapter 22. Let's start. Let's look at verse 6. Here we go. You ready? Verse 6. Here we go. And he said to me, these words are what? Faithful and true. Get that in your spirit. These words in the very word of God is faithful and true. Amen. You can count on it. You can stand on his word. It's faithful and true. What he says is going to come to pass is going to come to pass. What he says is going to happen is going to happen and has been happening ever since time began. It's been happening. Yet mankind has rebelled against God from the garden to this present age. And everything that God said would happen has been happening all along the way. And listen, we ain't seen nothing yet. You hear me? We haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> the other night I was got out of my car and it was at twilight. It was uh, The sun had gone down. And I just happened to look up and I saw this uh, meteor come from uh, west to east. And boy, it was a ball of fire. And there was a stream of smoke behind it as it was coming through. And it was just like, shh. I just, just for me, you know, I thought about, I thought about Revelation. <laughs> I couldn't help but think about Revelation, you know. And I just say, Lord, you're just a, you're an amazing God. He said, he was in control of that meteor. It's like he's in control of all of us, whether we think so or not. Listen, his perfect will is being accomplished each and every day. He says, he says, listen, he says, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel, listen, to show his bondservants the things which must soon, no, soon take place. And behold, he says, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book of Revelation, right? And of, of the whole Bible, actually. John writes that the angel uh, that, that the angel is speaking here, who has shown him the new Jerusalem. The same angel that showed him the new Jerusalem. This is the angel that's speaking to John. And he said this. He said, these words are what? Faithful and true. The words of the apocalypse. And the apocalypse is a word for me in the destruction of time, the destruction, the final destruction of the world. That's what the apocalypse means. The destruction of the world. These words are written by John, written, listen, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's visually seeing things, and he's writing things down as he's inspired by a holy God to write them down the best way that he can. But reality will soon come, listen, upon all of us sooner than we think. Amen. There's a reality coming for each and every one of us every day. Don't be caught sleeping. Let Jesus catch you doing and walking in faith in him. Walk with the Lord. 
Here we see the angel affirming what is going to take place as written to us today and from Old Testament history. Think about this. The time has come. We must not miss this. Amen? He says, he says, the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. Amen? Must soon take place. The same God in heaven inspires, think about this, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament writers. The same God. And it is to show his bondservants, that's you and I, what soon is going to take place. It must take place. It is going to happen. And John is, listen, John right here is claiming full-on inspiration. He's claiming full-on inspiration right here. John sees and hears everything God is revealing to him in inspiration. He is inspired by God in a visual sense, in his ear gate, in his eye gate. He's experiencing God in a most fantastic, tremendous way. And listen, one day as believers, we're going to experience the same thing. And we're going to experience whether we're believers or not. We're going to experience it. And something to think about. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, listen, just write down, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So why? So that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Adequate, equipped for every good work. This scripture here speaks of the urgency of the hour to get busy. Listen, get busy preparing people's souls for eternity. Amen? That's why we're doing what we're doing next week on Saturday. To help us to prepare people's souls for Jesus coming back. And we've got to share the gospel with people. We must do that. The Old Testament prophecies have been literally fulfilled. And the ones in this book of Revelation will be fulfilled as well in the future. It's going to happen. It's happening and it's going to happen. In verse 7, there is a change in speakers. Did you notice there? No longer is it the angel speaking, but who? Jesus Christ himself is speaking in verse 7 there. And behold, I am coming quickly. See, the I am, the I am is Christ Jesus. Jesus calls us to guard or protect the book of Revelation is what he's doing. In fact, all our scripture is to be guarded in our, in our being. Like Paul commanded to Timothy to do the same in 1 Timothy 6.20. Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Grace be with you. In 2 Timothy, he writes him again in chapter 1, verse 13. He says, retain the standard of sound words. What's the standard? The word of God is our standard. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Think about that. We have been given a mandate to heed. And in the Greek language, it means to guard these sound and truthful and errant words of a holy God who speaks to us with his breath. Right here, he speaks to us with his holy breath. The word of God, the living word of God. You see, to heed the book of Revelation is a general command. Longing for Christ's return and our eternal fellowship with him. We look for his coming back. 
Now, there are five things that we must get from spending this last year and four months in the book of Revelation. And I want you to write these down. It's important. You need to kind of do an evaluation of what you've gotten out of this past year and four months as we walk through, uh, kind of methodically through the book of Revelation verse by verse. All right? The first one is that you should love Christ more. Christians should love Christ more after going through this work. You find yourself loving Christ more? having a better understanding of what is yet to come, how it's going to come, how much he has loved us and supplied resources for us and looked for us and that, listen, there's nothing that we can do apart from him that's of any profit whatsoever, but we need him in our everyday life. Listen, our life can change drastically like that. Listen, you can get sick like that and it changes everything. So many times we'll grow up, grow out, <laughs> grow older, retire from jobs, and we say, well, I'm going to move to Florida. I'm going to have a blessed time. I'm going to live it up in my retirement. And then all of a sudden, something happens, right? Something happens. You know, folks, there's only one thing you can be sure of, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing is consistent in His Word. It never changes. The Bible says he's the same, what, yesterday, today, and forever and ever and ever. He's the same. Listen, we've been given that mandate. You're a Christian. Listen, you should love Christ more, number one. Number two, you must seek to be more like Christ. You must seek to be more like Jesus. How many of you look like Jesus on Monday when you go to work? <laughs> come on. Right? Come on. Wait, come on. You know, listen. How many of you spend time before you leave your house just to just, just meditate on a passage of Scripture? Listen, prepare your day. I had to prepare my day. Right? I had to make sure... Paul said daily to make sure you're in the faith. Check your salvation every single day, right? Listen, this is the word of God. I don't have time, Pastor. I gotta be at work at six. I gotta get up. I got all these kids. I gotta get up. I can get up at four in the morning and it's like I have no time, no time, no time. But here's the thing. We all have the same amount of time. All of us have the same amount of time. Right? But listen to what you say when you say you don't have time. When you say you don't have time, you're telling the God of the universe who created you and gave you life and breath and everything that you have, every resource that you have comes from a holy God who could take it away at any second. But you say, when you say, I don't have time for God, that's what you're saying. You're saying, God, I don't have time for you. And if you don't have time for God, you better make time. You better set some priorities. You better set some guidelines in your life and make time for the holy God to meet with you. You should have a place and a space in your house or wherever where you meet with God. The same place, the same space, every single time, every single morning. I hope you got that. If you have that, listen, I want you to send me a picture of that place. All right? Send me a picture of that place. I want to see your place. I want to see where you meet God. It's important to meet God in a specific place. It's you and a holy God. Think about that. 
You and the Holy God to meet together and He gets to speak life into you. He gets to speak eternity into your heart through His precious Word. It's so valuable to do that. There are times that I've missed. There's times that I've missed and my day is just not the same. I can honestly tell you that. So don't think your pastor is perfect above everything. No, I'm not. But I make it a point every morning to sit in my chair and spend time with God in prayer, reading His Word. I journal it. I send it off to my kids and some people. I, I want to hear, I want them to hear how God is speaking to my heart. We need to spend time with the Lord every single day. We must seek to be more like Christ. That's how you become more like Him. The more that you were, the more that you learn, the more that you take in, the more that you will learn to surrender and be more like Jesus. Amen? Also, Christians, number three, must have a greater hope for our resurrection bodies. Man, do you have a hope for a resurrected, glorified, supernatural wall can't even hinder it body? Amen? I mean, listen, Jesus walked through walls. Jesus just appeared. Poof, there he was. Right? It would freak you out if he did that right now. Make some new doors. Right? Or some of you probably just fall on your face and say, oh my. You know he's here right now. Humble your heart before a holy God. He's in this room. He speaks to you. Listen to him. Listen to him. Something else said in the book of Revelation do Christians must, listen, anticipate our eternal rewards. Anticipate, man, we have eternal rewards. Some are going to get a lot. Some are not going to get many. (laughs) Some people are going to lose rewards. Yeah, when you miss an opportunity and God the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you don't do it, that's a sin. And you miss an opportunity for a reward for believers. We need to be careful. We need to make sure that we do all that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And you know, it's not about the rewards as much as it's about your oneness with the Holy God. He wants you to be one with Him. That's why He's called the groom and you're called the what? The bride. We're one with Jesus as a believer. Where he goes, the bride goes. Right? Everywhere you go, guess what? The groom goes with you. Make sure you're going to the right places. Whether you're on a car or you're online. Go to the right places. Used to be you get in a car and go to those bad places, down these alleyways and places you shouldn't go to years ago. But when technology came, now you can go right down to those alleyways right in your little hand. And you go look at the garbage that you don't need to look at. You go to places and people and, that you don't need to have nothing to do with. It's so easy. Touch of a finger and you're in the wrong place. Come on. 
And sometimes it's not even the touch of a finger. It's just you open it up and all of a sudden something pops up and there it is. What do you do with it at that moment? It reminds me of the time when up in North Carolina, I used to walk out to the mailbox, right? And you get all these advertisements in the mailbox, right? And we used to get these Victoria Secrets catalog where Victoria was revealing all of her secrets. Right? And I would take that thing and roll it up and I'd throw it in the trash can. I wouldn't even give it to my wife, my lovely wife. I'd throw it in the trash can. Listen, it don't take much, especially for guys. We need to think about some of that. We need to anticipate our eternal rewards, right? And then Christians, listen, number five, must understand, uh, listen, must understand the fearful judgments that await all non-Christians. We must understand the fearful judgments that await all non-Christians. Your heart should be broken of where your lost family members are going to spend eternity if they don't know Jesus. Broken if your neighbor doesn't know Jesus. Broken when you see people and they don't know Jesus. They have no clue what they're going to experience on the other side of life. You just don't die and it's over. You're going to live one or two places. You're going to live somewhere when you die. If you know Jesus, you're going to live with him. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to live alone, away from him, in outer darkness with torment and gnashing of teeth. It's going to be horrible. Indescribable. Just as indescribable as heaven is, hell's going to be just as indescribable. And I wouldn't even want my enemy to go there. It's going to be so awful. Listen, we have a responsibility to call people to repentance and to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We should. The imminent return that calls, listen, also calls for, listen, four responses. There should be four responses. His imminent return is upon us. He could come back at any moment. But it calls for four responses. So let's go, let's go to number two here, all right? We said uh, immediate obedience was number one. Number two, immediate worship. Look at the worship. Put worship down. And look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren and prophets and those who heed the words of this book, Worship God. You think John would have learned this by now? <laughs> right? This happened before, right? We read this before, right? Here we have another change of speakers again. This time, who's speaking? John is speaking here. John is testifying. John names himself for the first time since Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. Here he adds his own testimony of these things he is personally experiencing on the spot. He is seeing all this. Once again, in utter amazement and awe, we see John automatically do what? He falls and worships the angel who is showing him around. He has the proper response, but he has the wrong object. Right? He's supposed to be worshiping Jesus. That's reserved for the Lord, the King. Well, let's go to the third response, the third one. Immediate, listen, proclamation. Immediate proclamation. 
immediate proclamation. Look at verse 10. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy, and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. This message of the final destruction of the apocalypse is not to be hidden. We're to proclaim it. We're to proclaim it. This message is to be proclaimed far and wide to produce obedience and worship. This is why we proclaim it, to produce obedience and worship of the one true God. He said, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. Listen, the end is near. John must proclaim this book. Did he do it well? Amen, he did. We just spent a year and four months reading what John wrote. Amen? He fulfilled his task that God had placed on him on the earth. Listen, the end is near. We must proclaim it. The coming of Christ has been imminent for every generation from John's day until today. Think about that. If these words are not clear for us to understand God's intention in this book, then these words would have to be considered sealed. And they're not. And they are not sealed. They are to be proclaimed. He tells us right here to proclaim them. In Daniel, though, they were sealed. But these are not sealed. God wants us to proclaim. He wanted John to proclaim this. This is why we studied it for a year and four months. They are not to be sealed. They are to be proclaimed. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Filthy still do filthy. Let the one who is righteous still pray righteous. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Those who continue to do wrong, what do they do? They harden their own hearts. They harden their own hearts to the truth and will be condemned for it. Opposite, the ones who continue in righteousness, keeping themselves holy, give evidence of genuine faith. Let's look at the fourth response to Christ's return, right? It requires immediate service. If you're not serving, you're what? Swerving. That's right. Look at verse 12. He says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Now we are back to Jesus Christ speaking again. And he's kind of repeating part of verse 7, right? Coming quickly. Folks, get this. The greater our faithfulness to Jesus here, the greater will be our opportunity to serve him in glory with him. The greater our opportunity, listen, to serve in heaven will be, listen, a result of the faithfulness to Jesus down here. We need to serve the Lord. I want to thank all those who came with me to the fair on Tuesday. We had a glorious time, did we not? Met a lot of people, right? Shared the gospel with quite a few folks. Now we pray that the word does its perfect work in the lives of those people. I praise the Lord for that. Thank you all for coming. We are to, listen, we are to give away our giftedness. We are to give it away. Investing in the lives of other people. That's why God gives us the giftedness. He doesn't give it to us to sit us on a shelf. He doesn't give it to us to sit in a chair and never do nothing with it. He doesn't do that. He gives it to us. 
He's a gracious, loving, forgiving God, and He gives you what you have to share with the world. We need to start sharing. Let's go to verse 13. I want you to really pay close attention to this passage of Scripture right here. In verse 13, he says, I am the what? The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is a very bold statement that Jesus makes right here. It's the boldest statement you will ever hear him make right here, right? Let's look at this. This is the climax of this book of Revelation, what you see here. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says that that's who he is. But here's the thing. In, uh, in, he says in Revelation 1.8, God the Father says this in Revelation 1.8. And I want you to get this. This is God the Father says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Hear that? That's God the Father. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now let's move forward to Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus says, listen, speaks to John right here. He says, in 17, he said, when I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet like a dead man, seeing Jesus. And he placed his right hand on me, saying what? Do not be afraid. Not be afraid. I am what? The first and the last. You hear that? Now, this is Jesus speaking here. And then we go down to Revelation chapter 21, verse 6. God the Father speaks here. God the Father says this in Revelation 21, 6. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. That's God speaking. And now we come down to Revelation 22, 13. Jesus says all three of those phrases right here together. And I don't want you to miss this today. This is important. Revelation 22, 30, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Listen, John wants us to understand and know that this Jesus is fully God. He is fully. In every way, he is fully God. In every way, he is fully God. Jesus, listen, is the Old Testament God who came to take on human flesh, pure, perfect, without sin for you and for me. He is fully, fully God. Listen, he died, was buried, and rose from the dead to live again. Jesus here in verse 13 is making it crystal clear who he is. And I want you to think about it. Think about this. Remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he's appearing to all the disciples in his resurrection form, but there was one disciple that was missing. Thomas, right? And what did Thomas say? I won't believe until I what? Till I see the scars in his hands and and, and the piercing in his side. I won't believe it. What happened? Jesus showed up, right? Jesus showed up in a profound way, right? John 20, 27. Then he said to Thomas, and I want you to get this, what Thomas says. He said to Thomas, reach here. He poofs in the room. He comes in, and the first thing Jesus does is, here, Thomas, take your finger can you imagine? He said, here, Thomas, take your finger. Put it in my hands. Here, reach your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, Thomas, but believing. And look what Thomas responds. 
Thomas answered and said to him, what he said, my Lord and my God. You hear that? In Isaiah 44, 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me. What a declaration, right? Now in Revelation 22, 13, I'm the Alpha Omega, the first and the last beginning the end. I don't want you to miss this this morning. Get this. I always thought that these three sayings meant the same thing. Alpha, beginning of the Greek alphabet. Omega, end of the Greek alphabet. First to last, beginning end. I always thought these all kind of really just kind of meshed together and said the same thing. But they don't. And I want to explain it to you. When Jesus says the first and the last, he is speaking chronologically in order, right? Entirely. In the Greek, the word beginning, though, is different. The beginning and the last and the end. Beginning and the end is different. That word beginning is different. Yep, he is the first. He is absolutely the first. No dispute in that. But Jesus is saying here that he is, get this. I would write this down. He is the pattern for everything else that follows. Amen. That means a little bit different. Let me explain it further here. Listen, listen. In other words, Jesus get this, is the source. He is the source, kind of like how a river flows from beginning to the end. He's the headwaters all the way to the finishing, to the outflow. He is the source of everything. He is the source from which all else comes. He is the source. Everything comes from Him. Don't think chronologically here with me. Listen. And I didn't get one. But, if I had a pencil, right, what is the end of a pencil? If I was holding a pencil, what's the end of the pencil, right? I want you to follow me. It's not the tip, right? And it's not the eraser because you know why you're thinking physically. What's the purpose of a pencil? To write. So the purpose of the pencil is to write. So the end of the pencil is whenever you finish writing, whatever the goal is. All right? So what is the end of the pencil? It's not the tip, but it's not the eraser. We tend to think physically. Right? No. The end of the pencil is to write. The end means goal or purpose of something. Purpose of something. Listen. You with me so far? With me? Check this out. Or the goal of something. So here's the question. What is the end of the church? What is the goal of the church? What is the end of marriage? What is the goal of marriage? Think about this. What is the end of work? What is the goal of work? When Jesus says beginning and end, he says he is the source from which everything originates or flows on out. He is everything. He is the source of which everything begins. But Jesus is also the end goal of which everything is headed. Think about it. He is the goal purpose. So, what is the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? We always look to the model of who? Jesus. What is the purpose of marriage? We look to the model of Jesus. 
Is Jesus the groom? And we're the bride. Think about that. That's, that's more than just the starting place and the finishing place. He is all-encompassing. He is everything. What is the purpose of work? We look to the model of Jesus for work. We don't work for us. We work for him. He gives us the job. He can take it away. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the source, and he's the one that flows out. Think about that. What is the purpose of the church? We must always look to the model. Jesus. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. It's all of us. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He's the source. He is the flow that goes with the church, the ebb and flow of it. And, And he goes right on out. He's everything. He is everything. Listen, this should give us all comfort. You hear me? We should be, have comfort knowing that our lives are all about who? Is your life all about Jesus? It needs to be. If it's not, something's amiss in your life. Your life must be about Jesus. All about Jesus. It's not about us. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning, source and the end, goal, purpose of which all of history is headed. For all His glory... And listen to this, for our good. It's amazing when you look at this. Now I want to skip to verse 17. Skip down to verse 17 for a minute. This is an invitation at verse 17 that says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Because Jesus gave his life a ransom for all of us. He laid his life down for all of us without cost. It cost him everything. It cost you and me nothing but to surrender to his will. Surrounding this invitation of verse 17 are four incentives for sinners to come to Jesus. Number one, because of Christ the person. You come to Jesus because of who he is. First, the invitation comes to Jesus personally. It comes from Jesus personally. He draws people to himself. In verse 13, we saw Christ at first and last to include the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Amen? We see him first and last. Beginning and the end, as we learned, expresses, get this, the beginning and the end, as we learned, expresses what? Christ's infinity, his eternity, and boundless life transcending all limitations, universal and beyond. He's God. He's more than just the beginning and the end. He is the original. He is, and he doesn't end. He's everything. It's all encompassing. He is God over everything. That's why he's never surprised. That's why nothing ever occurs to God in your life and mine, ever. Nothing ever occurs. He knows right where you're at. He knows right what you're going through. And he knows how to deliver you from garbage. But he knows how to make you happy and joyous and praise him. He knows how he knows it all. He's he is definitely over everything. Verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. He goes, I am, get this now. He says, I am the root and the descendant of David. And then he says, I'm the bright and morning star. Check this out. This is really cool. Though these angels communicate the destruction of the apocalypse to John. 
listen, there's no mistake about who the source comes from now. Do we understand that? The source comes from who? Jesus. He's the source of everything. Where he says, I, Jesus, this only appears here in the Bible. I, Jesus, that divine call to sinners personally issued by Jesus himself. The destruction announced, listen, to the seven churches in Revelation 1.11. Though it is to be proclaimed to the whole world, Revelation 22.10. Jesus declares that I am the root and the descendant of David. The rightful throne. Heir to the throne, right? Now this shows Christ Jesus in two different natures. I want you to see this. Only the God-man can, can both be David's ancestor and his descendant. That blow your mind, right? In his deity, Jesus Christ is David's root. Mark 12, 35 37. In his, listen, in his God-man, listen, his deity, Christ is David's root. In his humanity, though, he is David's descendant. 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. Finally, Jesus says he is the bright and morning star. Exalted. He's the exalted one. Daniel 12, 3, right? Jesus announces the end of the darkness of humanity's night and the wonderful dawn of his great kingdom. Amen? Wonderful. He calls sinners, listen, to drink the water of life because he is what? The light of the world is who? Is Jesus. John 8, 12. The second incentive for sinners to come to Christ is this. Because heaven is exclusive. Right. It is. It's very exclusive. Right. There's only one way to heaven. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Amen. Only one way there. And it's got to be through Jesus, his shed blood, the cross. You don't get to heaven no other way. Right. Contrary to what the world wants to say, what all the Oprah Winfrey's and all these different people want to say, no, there's not many ways. There's one way. That's why Matthew 7 says the gate is a narrow gate. One person at a time goes through the gate. One person. Listen, rubbing your shoulders in the gate walls, coming, going through. It's one person at a time. But he says, listen, the gate that leads to destruction is a broad gate. It's a wide gate. It's wide. It's a super highway of Atlanta, Georgia. And bigger. Listen, and many are going to destruction down that road. That breaks my heart. Because people need to know who Jesus is. And we've got to tell them. That's our mandate, to tell them. It's exclusive. Look at verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, <laughs> so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter by the gate into the city. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and immoral persons and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I hope you're not a liar. Those who have experienced the washing from sin that marks salvation will forever have the right to the tree of life. Think about that. We're going to eat like crazy, I said last week, right? Only those whose lives have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, everyone else in contrast will be forever where? In the lake of fire and brimstone. 
sad. Verse 15 is the type of list of sins that will exclude people from heaven. And it's given to John right here. Dogs were despised scavengers back in the day. Not like our little pets we have today. (laughs) Right? To call people dogs was definitely a low blow, right? It was not a compliment. It wasn't. Murderers, idolaters are included. The final exclusion are those who love and practice lying, those who habitually lie. Also, those who refuse the invitation given by Christ to salvation. It's the lake of fire for them. When you refuse God, you set on course your own demise. Jesus doesn't send you to hell. You send yourself there. He gives all of us in this room opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, he's giving you opportunity today to come to him. To say, hey, hey, see that cross behind me? That's what he did just for you. To why he took all of your sin on his body on a cross and shed his blood to clean, clean all that sin off of you. From the past to the present to the future. All of it. The third incentive for sinners to come to Christ is number three, is the truthfulness of the scriptures. The truthfulness of the scriptures. Look at 18. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. Verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city, which are written in this book. The Bible is true from cover to cover. From index to maps. Everything. It's it's true. The Bible is the absolute truth. And listen, and there's listen, you could you could you could understand that. If you would do your research, listen, if you're a skeptic about the Bible, oh, this is about, about a bunch of men writing a bunch of stories, and it's just put together, and you don't even know how many books there are, right? Right? There's like 66 books, 40 different authors, written over 1,500 period time span. And listen, and everything talks about Jesus from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's all about the redeeming love of mankind through the blood of bought Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything, the Old Testament, listen, the Old Testament is the answer to death, right? But it's concealed in the fact that there's a Messiah coming. So it's concealed in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, the Messiah is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ for all time. And he shows you specifically what, who he is as a Messiah. You know that Israel, and I know that I've understood they've been doing this for years, but they try to pass a law that nobody could proselyte in Israel the name of Jesus. They're still hardened to that. They still don't want to believe Jesus. They still want to see Jesus as the coming king, which he is. But they don't want to see him as a suffering servant and humble themselves. Jesus is the king that came 2,000 years ago as a humble servant for you and for me. He became like you and me and gave his life a ransom. He paid, he paid the fine because you were held hostage by the enemy, the devil. And he paid your fine so that you could have eternity in heaven with him. But you've got to believe that he came for you. You've got to trust his death on the cross. 
You gotta take his blood for the remission of your sins. You gotta believe that he is. You gotta live your life in repentance and faith. You gotta turn away from yourself, turn away from your wickedness, turn away from your sin, and chase Jesus for the rest of your everlasting life if you're gonna experience what we've been talking about here today. It's so important for us to do that. We must never alter the Bible or the Scripture ever. It's God's holy, perfect word forever. He says you will be cursed and you will be cast out. Amen? Lastly, the fourth and last incentive for sinners to come to Christ. Number four, because of the certainty of Christ's return. He's coming back, folks. And he's coming back for you and for me that know him as Savior. If you're his child, listen, he never throws children away. We know that because the story of prodigal son teaches us that, right? Dad gives up his inheritance to his son. The son goes off, squanders it all. Son finally wakes up in the pig pen. Son finally comes to his senses, duh. Right? Eating pods that the sows were eating. And he said, but I'm, he's thinking, my dad's got a, he, I can get a roof over my head. I can get three squares on my plate. I got a dad that has all of that, and I don't need to be in this pigsty. And he goes back home, but what happens? On his way home, he's thinking of how he's going to apologize to his dad. But what happens? The father sees him afar off, tells me he was looking for his son, his prodigal. He was looking for his son. And he sees him afar off and it says he throws on the door and he runs to his son before he even gets to the house. And he throws his arms around him. He doesn't even give him time to say anything. He says, I love you. You are my son. You were lost. Now you're found. Let's put on the fatted calf. Let's put on the robe. Let's put on the ring. Let's have a celebration. My son has come home. We all need to come home to Jesus. You're creating the image of God. You're born with a bent towards sin that you can't even, you can't even, you can't forgive yourself. You can't, listen, you can't do that. You can't, you can't, you can't remove any of the sin. That's why Jesus came to save you. Certainty of Christ's return. Look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. This benediction of the book of Revelation, Jesus himself testified. Jesus is affirming this to you and I. He said, yes, I am coming quickly. He's coming at an hour you think not. He is going to burst open the eastern skies. Listen, in the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to be raised to be with him. Those that are alive and remain will be caught up in the air to meet the King Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And yeah, we will see the book of Revelation. We will live it out as we have studied it. We will live it out. And you're going to go, oh, wow, I remember that. Oh, wow, I remember that. I remember, oh, wow, I remember talking. Oh, my goodness, I remember this. Oh, wow, Lord. I can't even imagine how we're going to be up there. I've always said I hope there's not a pew in heaven. We're not going to need a pew. We're going to run around and praise Jesus. You're going to be so glad you're there. Amen. That's right. Give it up to Him. You're going to be so glad you're there. You're going to bow prostrate on your face at His feet. 
You're going to say, Jesus, thank you. I'm so thankful that you chose me and that I chose you. I thank you, God, for coming into my life. I thank you, Jesus, for sacrificing for me, for dying for me. I thank you, Jesus. On the other side of that, though, there are many, many who don't want nothing to do with Jesus. There are many who are deceived. They think they're going to get in by their parents were believers, so they're going to get in because my parents were good people. I'm going to get in because of my parents. Okay? It's not happening. All of us in this room have to individually submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us. None of us get into heaven by our own strength, by our own goodness. And the Bible says there are none good, not one, right? None of us are good. Think about your own life. You know. You know you're not good. I can say it because I know I'm not good. There's none righteous. No, not one. Not one. And even now, I'm not righteous. I'm only righteous because Jesus put his robe of righteousness on me. It's that blood of Jesus that washes away every sin in my life. That when God looks at me, you know what he sees? He sees the blood covering my life. Amen, right? I love that. You know Jesus today? If you don't, don't leave here without knowing Jesus is your Savior. Ask him. You're going to ask right now. Just bow your head right now. Just ask him to come into your heart. Say, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what? I like this Jesus who I'm hearing about. Then ask him to come into your heart, to your life. <laughs> ask him to take away your sin. He already did 2,000 years ago. Tell him. Profess your sin to him. Tell him, say, Lord, I repent. I'm a, repent means to turn around. Stop doing the wrong things. Turn around and chase God 180 out and do the do the things that God calls you to do. And obedience. Do the right thing. Do the next right thing. Live your life from that moment on going the next right thing. Whatever God's word says, that's what you do. Not what other people tell you. You do what the word of God says. This is why you read your Bibles in church. That's why you bring Bibles to church. This is why you should read your Bibles in church. Don't trust me to give you the word. Trust your own eyes and ears and the Spirit of God in you to tell you what's true. And let Him speak to your heart through His Word. And then take it home. Take this message home. Meditate on it all week long. Think about it. Think about the position of your life. Do you know that you're going to be in the presence of Jesus when you breathe your last breath or your heartbeat stops? It's going to happen. We only have one heart, right? (laughs) And it's ticking away. We're living every day, but we're dying every day. Right? And one day is coming for you and for me. So right now, just take some quiet time. I can go on and on and on. Jesus wants to save you. You've heard it. You're going to accountable for it. You're going to have to answer it for it. And I don't want to see you 
being told by Jesus, go away, I never knew you. That's a sad statement to hear in heaven, right? But I want you to hear, well done. By good and faithful, good and faithful servant. Because you're only good because you submit to authority of Jesus. And, you've, and you let Jesus be the guide of your life. You do what Jesus says. You're only good because Jesus is good on you and in you. You hear me? Jesus, it's all Jesus. That's why the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about anything else. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus. I ask people all the time, so what's the Bible about? Oh, it's about this, that, and the other. No, it's about Jesus. The whole thing is Jesus. This time, say, Lord, come into my life. Rescue me from myself. I believe, Jesus, that you died on that cross for me, and you shed your blood for me. Lord, come into my heart. Save me from where I'm at. Show me what I must do next. I want to follow you, Jesus, with all of my heart, all of my life. I want to love you with all of my heart, all of my life. Help me. Give me strength to turn away from the garbage in life. Help me, Lord Jesus, to follow your word, to be in it every day, to hear your voice, to obey, and leave all the consequences to you. I want you, Jesus, to be my life. If that's you this morning, I pray that you ask Jesus to do that right now. And if you did, I praise the Lord. This old pastor, listen, I want you. If it's real, I know if it's real, you'll come to me. If it's not real, you're not going to come to me. So I can share with you what to do next. But if you really mean for Jesus to come in your life, man, you need to share that. And the best way to share it is to get baptized. Best way. That's where it begins. And then once it begins, listen, and you share Jesus with the rest of your life every single day. Unashamedly. Lord, I thank you for our time together this morning. May we, Father, Lord, just follow you all the days of our life. Lord, if anybody made a decision for Jesus, I pray they will. Let me know. Now I can rejoice with them and tell them what to do next. I pray, Lord, for all my Christian brothers and sisters. As you touch them, let them walk out of here. Lord, this is the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ today. We celebrate Palm Sunday. And Lord, while he came into Jerusalem, he's coming again. And that triumphal entry is going to be when he comes and sets up his thousand-year reign. And Lord, and then we enter into, later on, even the new heaven and new earth and the new city, Jerusalem. The triumphal entry is yet to come. And boy, it's going to be triumphant, all right. It's going to be like nothing nobody has ever seen. Go with us now. Encourage our hearts. Let us know that we are more than conquerors only because of you, Jesus you would use us for your glory today, next weekend, Lord, as we minister to our neighborhood. May this place be full of people. I praise you for it all. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said what? Amen.